0: I'll be there.
1: Now, live from beautiful Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, you're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen.
2: Hey guys, uh, welcome to My Fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Uh, I am finally recording this. I spent a good solid, God is my witness, about an hour trying to live stream this. Facebook sucks. Uh, Here are the things that suck. Skype sucks. Facebook sucks. YouTube sucks. Logitech apparently sucks. OBS, the jury's out on what it, how much of this might be OBS's fault. But I'm at the very least Logitech sucks. And um, I also I suck because I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But in the meantime, I'm blaming them, and I, I'm okay with that. Um, anyway, I would like to thank, as always, I'd like to thank Muddied Waters Media for giving me this opportunity to. Record this and not be live because Facebook sucks and I hate it. Uh, I would like to uh, thank Kroger for the delicious water that I drink on this and every episode of My Fellow Americans. Oh, that's delicious. Um, I would My intro and outro music is by the wonderful Joe Davi. You can find him. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on the SoundCloud. You can find him on Bandcamp. Get on Bandcamp. I think Bandcamp is where you can actually buy it. Get Don't even look at them on SoundCloud because that's free. Go to Bandcamp and buy it. Spend money on Joe Davi. Um, I'd like to always do, as I always do. A shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him. Um, I, am, uh, I am really trying to figure this out. And hopefully by next time, I will be able to figure out how to stream and not look like garbage at the same time. Um, but we will figure that out. My guest tonight is a stand-up comedian, uh, one of my favorites. He's very funny. And he also hosts a podcast called It's Not Music with Matthew Amos. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in giving a warm welcome to William Island. William, thank you for joining us today.
3: Hell yeah, thank you, man. Uh, I mean, like, I, I don't do most of this live shit or even recorded shit often where I'm on camera. But yeah, thank you. It's, uh should be fun. You feel like one of the few channels that uh it's almost like i don't know how what where your lines are as far as here because i know your personal facebook account tends to uh kind of push envelopes and things like that so i'll I'll try to find the line strategically <laughs> and not uh just ruin the whole channel <laughs> my,
2: my lines are like don't you know and i think we talked about this at one point like don't advocate for anyone to be murdered it's pretty much like murdered raped robbed like that that any any kind of advocacy for violence is pretty much my line uh uh other than that i think we're we're good (laughs) there was a joke that uh i saw that uh what's his name ck um louis ck did about uh pedophilia and um that that might be my line it was pretty it was pretty rough it was a pretty rough joke and i was like wow that that wasn't funny at all and i would say that's probably my line no no uh, no no uh low key advocacy for pedophilia as well so i don't think we're i don't think we're going to go there so i think line wise we're okay but uh but thank you again for joining my show i'm i'm very excited to have you on i think you're hilarious i also appreciate that you think i'm funny um i like that as well so thank you so much
3: i look forward to the wholesome sabbath memes i got to say
2: wholesome so, sabbath memes yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely um i mean
3: i like i'd like that you i do gotta say i like that you mentioned the louis ck thing because uh i it's that was an interesting thing because i can understand how it can be seen as like low-key support for pedophilia right but i try to remember every time it's a comedian especially a famous comedian who got famous by being like the guy who always i don't it's not even just that he wrote that line he was just good at Pushing a line with anyone, right? So I th- I think about it. I honestly I thought that was hilarious, and I was just like, "There's no, I cannot believe they just let him do that on SNL." That
2: like the, wh- that was the thing was was it was more like I that was the only thing that made me laugh was like you said like I can't believe this is actually happening. Like yeah. the, the actual yeah. joke itself was kind of was very cringy, but the the the, the yeah. fact that he was doing this in a live audience on like you know Rockefeller Center or whatever of like okay beautiful yeah
3: yeah um. I, well, see, that's the thing is I'm a huge fan of cringe humor. I try not to put too much of the cringe on Facebook because it's usually lost. Like uh, the the nuance is lost generally. Yeah. And if you're up there just is saying stuff, they can see a wry grin on your face, or they can hear how you're saying it.
4: Right,
2: right, it
3: right. Doesn't come across as a text message, basically. So yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I really yeah. If you did that, that
2: if you did that joke as a Facebook post, you would be arrested. By, like you would have the police come to your house, and be like, "Okay, we got to talk about this." Like this. You know, it's what? like, oh, but it was humor, it was dark humor. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't you guys don't get irony? Yeah. yeah no, exactly. it's... <laughs> this is ironic. <laughs> I'm posting ironically, of course. Yeah, like and it's Oscar. it's just
3: it just gets over So that's why I kinda liked it on television, because it's an interesting place. Because you could right. still see it in this cut and dried little thing where it's like, oh, it's obviously just trying to get a rise out of people. And at the in the most like Bourgeois Place, if you want to call it that,
2: it's just that's for where, comedy. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no
3: roughness there, and he just came in like some dock worker and just scared everyone. It's a, that's kind of the stuff I I like. I do like I like coming into bars in a coat and acting better than them, and then when I'm in a nice club, I dress like crap. Right. So it's just try to bring. Yeah, I just try to bring a contrarian thing to it. And I think it's it's definitely narcissism, but it
2: works. (laughs) Make make them as uncomfortable as possible, like (laughs) like unsettle them before you even tell your first joke.
3: Well, it's more you. I want you to know where I'm coming from. And most of the time, like I can. So here's why I think the joke didn't come across to you as tasteful in any sense is because you don't trust him. Right, you don't really trust Louis right. C.K. I trust him in a sense where I know he says some serious stuff, but that's not the place where he's going to say something serious.
4: <laughs> so it's,
3: that's why right. the joke, you know. So it's why the joke came across to me, and so I, I think that that's one one thing about it because that's not even a political joke, which is what I kind of intended to talk to you about. But right. it rides a line where everyone has a guttural moral reaction to it. So right. it's yeah. Not to mention that because I think that's a good good background, honestly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So I will if I'm ever invited to SNL. I know I there's already a, a I have um I already have a a, a, yeah. a a higher line that I have to I have to push the envelope even further than that one.
3: Yeah, if you're you're beckoned. Uh, it's a beckoned call. Right. There, but um, do you know? Uh, just speaking of political comedians, so I guess I wanted to ask: Do you know Dave? Who Dave Smith is?
2: Uh, yeah. In fact, there was a big thing. He just he just either joined or rejoined the Libertarian Party. Yeah, I know, I know, I know of Dave Smith. Yeah,
3: yeah. I think he's he's like talking about running for president next year, nice. next uh, next go. Yeah, good. I was like, all right, that's interesting.
2: Good. Him and but him and like,
3: Bill I Weld. Think... <laughs> Smith Weld. I'm good with that. <laughs> it's a great double open names, but uh. There's – so I guess I wanted to mention him because, like, I, I – so here's what I guess I wanted to say. So I mentioned to you that I wanted to talk about the place for politics and comedy. Right. And uh, my first reaction is it's nowhere. There is no place for it. And I think it's just because there's so much bad political comedy. And even like Dave Smith, if you brand yourself as a libertarian comedian, yeah. it shuts people down, even libertarians. Like – I'm not that interested in the libertarian side of it because I know he's just funny. So it's – like I don't mind the jokes, but I've never really seen one that's not just basically constantly talked about already, like within the masses of that ideology, what left, right, center, whatever it is. Right, right,
1: right.
3: Yeah, my, my, my first reaction is no. And, uh, you know, actually, I think it's my whole reaction is no, because the more and more I think about it, it's back and back in the day. It's like, really, we've already had the political comedians.
2: It's just all no. Now you know and also no. Yeah. yeah. So now yeah. when you're saying it's there's nice. no there's no place for it, you mean, do you mean like, for example, you know, branding yourself as a libertarian comedian or like, I mean, there's a plethora of, of on the left, obviously, of, you know, that you're a comedian. But, you know, your your main purpose is to uh uh is to promote a political message or are you just saying that like you don't even like no political jokes at all
3: i do i do these bits from a libertarian perspective that sort of thing yeah yeah yeah.
2: yeah. it's
3: especially for comedy which is just something like because i'm i'm learning how to laugh at my side at this point so it's i'm learning that it's just well the jokes shouldn't because most people use jokes nowadays to like correct social ills, which is ridiculous. Right, but right,
4: right.
2: Yeah, like yeah.
3: it's for it's so that's what I mean. And like, if you're going to go into politics, then either you're going to make a blatantly repugnant point that's obviously sarcastic, right? Or you're going to be preaching to everyone. You know, like um, Jake Johansson has this great, great thing about the border where he was saying, "Here's my solution." And it'll push us into alternative fuels because we're going to do a burning river of gas. Nice. And then if anyone tries to watch it across the border, they get flamed up and then we can just sell seats. You know, we can sell lots so you can watch it happen. You know, it's like, so it's just, it's obviously a repugnant point. It's just a goofy bit. Right. And he's not saying anything about it. You can still have your thoughts. Right, and right, I right. think like it is some comedy is to change people's minds in a sense, but, but it's, uh, like the more mundane the point, the easier it's going to be, and vice versa. So it's there. More work has should go into it. And I see a political comedy that is just lazy. Right.
4: <laughs> it's well, the
3: best way to put it. It's just fucking lazy.
2: Well, and like you said, it's been done so many times. Like I, I think you know, it was brave for you know comedians that were you know, uh, you know. I, I'm trying to remember the name of the comedian that. uh that he was a black comedian and, and, um, uh, um, no, 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 um, oh gosh, I can see his face right now. Uh, he had a beard, it's black guy. Um, uh, uh, Hugh Hefner was the first one to let him in one of his clubs and that, that was a big deal. And so, I mean, in that kind of a social situation where you have people that aren't even able to have access to certain places and things like that. Um, and he died recently too. Um, Oh man, that's gonna haunt me. So, well, so, but that—that's that, a different. That's a kind of a different
3: thing. Like him doing any comedy, him saying, you know, take my wife. No, really, take her, please. Right, right. That him doing that just on stage at all is the political statement. Right. It's more of a subtle action. Like if you're noticing, I can stage a lot in this shirt, which is just a Ludwig von Mises T-shirt, and no one really knows. No one really cares. No one. No one's gonna read the fucking book, even if I mention. It. So it's <laughs> right what i mean it's one of those things where it's like politics especially if you're into it it's a fringe thing whether or not you know it so it's it's bad it's bad for comedy like unless you can just make a quick like the joke has to be so easy and recognizable but also like it was so easy to make obama jokes it's so easy to make trump jokes so it's just you're never gonna get anything out of it it's just it's very easy
2: well trump is so his, it's trump is his own caricature like when people when i see someone that does a trump impersonation i'm like trump does trump better than you like trump does trump does the funny version of trump better than you do like it was funny watching dana carvey pretend to be uh, uh george bush you know not gonna do it wouldn't be prudent like it was funny but but also like well it's
3: hard it's hard to make that in, in, like accessible right and it's so easy to do the bush
2: Right, 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 but, and it's yeah. it's like you know those characters are or uh, Will Ferrell doing George W. Bush or whoever. I stopped watching Saturday Night Live a long time ago, so whoever did Obama for th- that period, like because those uh, those weren't uh, to me anyway. It seems almost like Trump gets that he's a caricature and he plays it up, or he just he either has such great self awareness or he has no self awareness at all. It's one or the other, but how w- whichever it is. He like anytime I see someone do a Trump, I'm like, you're you're not as good at being a comedic Trump as Trump is like.
3: Yeah, I, I think it just depends because I've heard some. I think it's most people who are probably going to do a Trump impression are putting a lot of like emotional and mental weight on it. Right. Like they're not even comfortable with their own impressions sort of thing. Right. Because here's the thing is like, especially with comedy, you're not no one's rich little. No one's Frank Aliendo and regardless, they didn't write jokes, so they're not really great stand-up comics anyway. If you do, you are going to do an impression. Yeah. Right. You did, good comedians who do impressions just do an approximation. So if you really wanted to do it, you just put the fingers up, and you do that, and you just right. do a little more New York, and that's it. And that's really all you have to do. So as long as you have a little punchline to throw in, it doesn't really ma- you know matter how bad your impression is. But, like, I've heard some pretty funny stuff like uh yeah there's a podcast I listened to where they were just riffing about the Tender Age camps and uh, he's like listen we have sandwiches for everyone and if you get bored you can read these quotes I put from the out of the deal on the wall and little right, like right. just little things <laughs> like that
2: right 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 um now what i'm just curious like what got you into stand up comedy like what how long have you been doing it for a while is it something you started like a long time ago or is it something you just started or
3: i wrote a lot for like three years before I started. And it started about, I'm, almost, I'm pushing on three years right now. Okay. So Jan- January 19th, I'll be at three years, but I basically wrote a lot. And I spent the first two years just burning through the books that I had basically written. And then, yeah, I, it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, well, I was having some kind of identity crisis, whatever it was. And it just kind of, popped into my head as a solution and i'm just realizing now like at two almost three years is that it's yeah it's definitely not a good thing if you're a narcissist because uh it's just going to take you on a roller coaster for sure like success will hurt you awful
2: (laughs) right because it it kind of it it kind of your ego
3: yeah yeah i mean really i'm just never out like i do not i do not most of the time i need something to like compel me to do you know? And, uh, when I, like I did comedy a couple of times and I kind of just got addicted. And so it was just like, well, now I'm compelled to write, like, what you can't see is I have a, I have these sticky whiteboards that I put all over my wall so I can just write bits down and stuff like that. It's just, it just became a new addiction to supplant others.
2: I, 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 somewhat so. hel- a, a, an addiction that doesn't harm your organs, your internal organ.
3: Well, but I'm a drinker, so it's, it can harm your organs if you're not careful.
2: Right, right, right. And
3: I have actually, my roommate, who's also a comic, just went sober because he was like, Yeah, I'm getting like liver pain every day. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, you should stop drinking. You bud. should stop drinking. Yeah. If you so can, it's,
2: if you know which organ yeah. your pain's coming from, you should probably stop drinking.
3: <laughs> yeah. He's just looking at WebMD and just pointing at it and himself. Yeah. It's just, he. So it's comedy can be a very unhealthy thing, but a lot of people tend to be, I'm noticing a lot of stand-up comics are people with student debt and (laughs) they're trying to get unaddicted from something.
2: Right. right, So it's,
3: I think it is one of those things. It's more like, um, most of therapy is just being able to talk to someone without any reproach. And, uh, comedy is kind of a happy medium between talking to yourself and talking to a a professional,
2: oh, see, this would save me a fortune. So I actually, I have to confess, I am, uh, uh, uh I envy slash am jealous of you uh, in that um, I have wanted to try stand-up comedy for, I don't know, 20 years, 20. I mean, since way before I was old enough to even do it. And then once I was old enough to do it, <clears throat> I always, like, had excuses for why. I'm like, well, I don't really have a good routine. And... Well, no I, does. well, and that's the thing, and that's everyone what, sucks at comedy. That's what I keep. That's what everyone would say. Because I would, I would, I had, friend, I have friends that actually do stand up comedy, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them, and and they're like, "You're one of the funniest people I know," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't really have a routine," and they're like, "Yeah, you should just go ahead and do it." And now, meanwhile now here I'm doing an hour long show, which is way more intensive than I would think anyway. Than doing a, you know, uh, than doing a. I mean, how long is your average routine? five to seven minutes yeah see i <laughs> i i and i uh so i probably i I maybe i'll try that this maybe this if nothing else uh if i especially if i can't figure out this streaming thing i may just uh start being a stand-up comedian instead and get them to live stream it with whatever equipment well they
3: have. what you're gonna learn is that if you want to do anything with it you're probably gonna also have to live stream something every now and then oh, it's Lord. like I, i'm getting more into yeah. Well, the one thing is, is that there's so many fucking stand up comedians right now right. and everyone thinks they're funny. Right. And and the, my I'm, I'm of the Rodney Dangerfield school where he's like, listen, everything stinks. Life stinks. death stinks. Even my favorite thing, stand up comedy. It stinks. And it's just it, it feels that way once you get into it, because you start realizing you just see through everyone's jokes and it's fine. But a lot of people don't stay humble. So, like, two years in, they're like, I'm the best. And they, you know, they're like, I like the way I write. And it's just, they don't, they kill maybe 30% of the time. And it's like, you don't really have fire material. Maybe you should, re- you know, it's just, yeah. Criticism is lost on most stand up comics. So it's just like, well.
2: But that's probably what guess keeps. Guess we're not it,
3: growing together. That,
2: well, I was gonna say, but for a lot of them, if they're not gonna grow, it's probably best that they not be able to receive criticism where they'd quit because you know they they would get so much if they actually received what they were getting. They're like, okay, I probably shouldn't even be doing this.
3: Right, and that's the thing is, I want to tell most political comedians to quit because they're <laughs> they're yes, yeah, you're not you're not Hicks, you're not Carlin, you're not Geraldo, you're not any of them. Like you don't do it. Sorry, but. Yeah, you know, it's one of the few like art forms you don't tell people to quit, just because uh, that'll hurt much more. Like to tell them to quit. if you stop. A, a a, so, oh man, like I think about it, and we I used to we used to write bits, try to write the best bit about how if we stopped comedy, it would less and like we were, it was like a challenge to write it, and it it technically it would, in my opinion. Like I just wouldn't have anything. Like I would just be playing video games. I you know if I didn't have to fulfill this compulsion to make a joke. basically. Right. So I think that's really what it is. It's just that's I probably have a tumor or something that's making me do this, but it's, yeah, it just, um, it's becomes one of those things. It's just another addiction and everyone, everyone who is like, I realized recently how pervasive alcoholism is in standup. So it's, it, it's kind of apparent, like what's actually happening here. So it's, you know, people talking about their cornflakes, so they don't have to, sit in silence and have a beer i guess i don't know but. right
2: right 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 yeah. right so so yeah. you, so then you really don't try to get into political stuff what what would you say is like is is it like observational things that you tend to lean on for your humor or, or like what would you say what if you had to give a synopsis of like what brand quote unquote of your stand-up comedy is what would you say it is i like
3: i kind of go through different things and I try to experiment a little bit with like writing structure and stuff. Right. So if I, like I've like, uh, I recently tried to write a joke that was like a noir story and it, it like worked out pretty well, but it ended up just being about a pocket pussy and I just talked like I was an old hard detective. Like, so it's like, I don't <laughs> have a place where I normally start or end. But a lot of my other jokes are, like I guess you could say, observational. But I try not to do the, like, what's the deal with? It's yeah. more like...
2: and what's with the socks you know, are missing? Yeah.
3: yeah. 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 Ugh, boots. <laughs> <laughs> These have to be the boots for the laziest people on the planet. <laughs> right, right,
4: right, right, right. <laughs> but,
3: it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not too much. Like, I try to get away from that because I, like... Actually, I have a joke about this, too, where it's... I talk to myself so much sometimes, though, that I throw away concepts, because I'm, I'm assuming someone else wrote them, basically. Right. And I'm just forgetting the conversation I had with myself. <laughs> and uh, so it's a lot of that. It's just a lot of that. It's like, can I, some of it's a, a how will they allow me to say retarded on stage? You know?
2: Uh, I, I, I what want, do I have? Go ahead, go ahead.
3: Go ahead. Well, it's just, I just want to know what trust I have to get with them within a joke before I drop that word on them
2: so that I was gonna Even ask if it's you, just, I was gonna ask you about that how like just when you are doing comedy bits when you're going into these clubs or wherever are they saying to you ahead of time like don't talk about this don't talk about that don't say this like do they give you these lines or 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 how does that work it' depends depends on the club uh, actually the club I
3: grew up at uh, just shut down and they were the place where I could basically do anything okay and it would just be like well let's see how Let's see how they treat you when you say it, and that works out all right. Uh, There's some places where, yeah, well, it's just like that. Most of the time, no one really wants to start shit if you're at a like it's obviously like a shitty basement bar, you know an arcade and a stage and that's about it and so it's like of course no one's going to give you any crap down there they'll just walk out which is fine (laughs) they always like give you like a pat on the back at that place for walking people so
4: it's (laughs) yeah
3: it's a different kind of game and place like that but then it can go all the way to like where it's a mixed mic and it's just a music mic so you basically come in and you know, while everyone's pouring their soul out, or it's a sixty-year-old couple doing Paul Simon covers, and then you come in and just start talking about your dick and the Holocaust. It's, you, you know what I mean. So it's <laughs> so you, it's like it's like mean, a variety, like can...
2: the worst variety show ever, basically.
3: Basically, yeah, that's it. <laughs> pretty fucking awesome, actually. <laughs> but there's, uh it's <laughs> it's mostly it's just, there's always a different room. It's like when I'm learning to drive, you realize there's like, yeah, that's a four-way, but every four-way stop has a different configuration and things like that. So it's, yeah, that's a rich room, but they're also all fishermen. So maybe they like a little bit of crass stuff. So it's, right. it's kind of, you have to reread everything and you got to make sure no matter what. But it, honestly, I've only had two places where they've said, don't do this. And for the most part, you do get more shows if you're clean, but it's rare that I've ever been asked. Like, I've had only one place where it was a mixed mic and the girl who was running it, and I knew it was coming. She was like, comics, we love you guys. And I was like, here we go. And she goes, but no dick jokes. And I was like, ah. It's like, what if I play a dick song? Is that okay? My entire routine <laughs> is ruined
2: it, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I literally just wrote five minutes about my dick in the car. So it's a tough. Very, very genitals it, heavy
2: routine that I did. Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, but it's interesting because that's okay. Like I don't, I'm not like offended by that or anything. Because for the most part, it's someone who took the time to get a PA and put something together, and they wanted to run it run it a certain way. Like right, if right. I have a it's mic, you advantage. come in,
4: yeah, you
3: do shit on everyone. So it's like I, I want it to go rough. So I'm if I were to run it, it would be much different. And you know, if I were to foster something, it would be much different, but right. you just, where you go and you play by the rules. Right. and Yeah. Well, like that's... if the, that's the one reason I want to start my own network and do my own shows is because then who are they going to criticize the owner? Me? It's like,
2: and we're good that's a good point yeah i had actually i wanted to ask you about this i was watching a um i was watching one of these videos where they talk about um how especially in the the clubs that are in and near college campuses that it's reached a point where like more and more comedians don't want to play at them because a they're given you know like this huge laundry list of things they can't talk about or they have to submit their content ahead of time so that they can give trigger warnings to the audience. And then yep. and then even after they, you know, scrubbed their material in the middle of, of, you know, doing their material, people will start these protests and, you know, walkouts and everything else. And it's like that entire and I, I don't know if it would be our generation or maybe the generate I guess the college generation now are so easily offended by things that they can't even it's like con- like stand up comedy is like almost dead in those areas because of it.
3: Well, I think it's actually it's the next generation, but it's nothing, it's no one's fault, really. It's basically like a. That's always the way it's been to get TV gigs. That's right. the way comics complain about TV gigs because they got to write clean, they got to throw out all this, you know, really touchy material. Unless they're, see, it's all trust, it's all clout and trust. But it's right. like if you're trying to break into it, you can't really hit that hard. So. A lot of comics who do rougher material complain their asses off about it. And now it's just spread into college bars where it's used, used to be able to just go and drop whatever, you know, stinky crap you had on, <laughs> on the stage and just mic drop and walk out. Right. It's you could do anything. So it's that's why people are complaining about it now. But what it really is, is that it's the Internet age. And I remember being in college and following fads. Basically, the fads to follow now are outrageous. Right. So it's, it's has t- nothing it's to do with anyone. Generation. It's like a natural progression. Yeah, it's just how it how it kind of unfolded. So it's and honestly, they only, it was only like a good six year stretch. Apparently, when college gigs would get you something.
2: Oh, okay. So
3: it's like, well, yeah. There's this. Um, I can't remember what they call it. There's this four letter agency basically that uh, sets up these shows and they book you and then you know, college students watch you as well as other bookers. So if they like you, you can get, you know, there's like convention floor time where you can just walk up and do like the job search sort of thing. But it, it it's rare that that actually gets you anything anymore because everyone wants comedy, but no one wants comedy. Right, so.
2: right. Well, they want comedy, but they don't want to be offended. And I'm like, well, what kind of comedy do you want then? Because honestly, then you really do want like, What's with the peanuts on the airplane jokes? Unless you've had a you know a mishap on an airplane and that's a trigger warning or something. Like I, I don't, I'm not sure how you how you do comedy. Well, to Mitch, he- go ahead. Mitch Hamburg
3: is a really good example of that, or Stephen Wright, uh, Emo Phillips. Like, there's really good examples of that though. Like my roommate actually is more of a clean comic and does more goofy, you know, kind of being goofy, f- flowery right? concepts. Well, like one of his shorter jokes is uh, I quit cold sandwiches by going cold turkey. Wow. So it's
4: just, okay.
3: yeah, exactly. And see, that's always the reaction of goes,
4: Jesus <laughs> Christ. And
3: <laughs> like... You can do that, but it's such a narrow path to walk that it's stupid to force every comic into
2: that. Oh, of it's course, because like... it would be terrible. You couldn't have. It's one thing if you. So if you had a you know a, a, a show and you have I don't know four or five comics and one of them is like that. That's one thing. But if every single one came out like that, by the second one I would leave. I'm like, okay, how many? Stephen Wright's a perfect example where he's basically giving you know one-liners in a in a in a you know a dead monotone you know, voice for, for, and it's funny, like he made it work, but if, if Stephen Wright were followed up by, you know, the uh, William Wright, and he did the exact same thing, I would believe for the second one, like that, that's okay for one person to be doing that. Right. Like,
3: yeah, I, I, yeah, it's okay. Well, it's not even just that it needs to be one person. So that's the thing is there's no set anything. It's just, if you can't write the jokes, Like, it's a, it's a, it's very baseball like because even though there's some kind of dynamic with they don't necessarily need white guys because there's so many of us doing it. Right. That's the only, like, that's the only thing. They want women. They want minorities. They, you know, like, they need to fill out shows with something different than me. And that's fine. I actually don't mind that. But for the most part, I'm, because I don't, I kind of just do the work and don't complain and don't ever ask for shows or anything. And I'm getting shows. So I'm like, all right, cool. But it's, it's basically if it, you hit you play if you hit you play it's like baseball so it's right. it doesn't matter if you're one type of comic there are, is a show actually where we have six comics that basically tell pun jokes and it's called capital capital punishment and they have a new set every week so it's just oh, like wow. there are people who churn that stuff out and it's, oh, wow. there's something about it their brain is locked into it what's there is no set limit for everyone. That's why there are so many comics and there are so many shows. Like if you come to Sacramento, I think there's at least two shows a night just with the main core of comedians out here. So it's, it's, there's so much to do. So it's, and there's so much going on. So it's like, well, don't limit yourself. The plurality of it is actually pretty good. Like my whole thing is, the reason I don't like political comedy right now is because there's so many people who have one strain of comedy, one strain of politics, right. and they want to decimate everything else instead of letting it be. Because I want, I think their comedy is bullshit, but I want them to make their money and flourish and find because there is a market for
2: it. Right, right, right.
3: I would like them to leave me alone, and that's about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Laugh and let laugh. I think is the way to put it.
2: Yeah, and and the thing is, like again, with the with the political comedy especially if they're if they're like you said, you know, I you know, this person is a progressive comedian and you know that everything's going to go back to some kind of like joke about, you know, about their feeling about the progressive tax code or, you know, Medicare or whatever. Like it's 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 like it's, you know, C-span with with punchlines and it and it, it's I, again, like you said there's probably a, a, an audience that really wants that, but I I I find it funny enough to just talk about politics. Uh, and and, and let, you, let, let it be funny you, on its own, because it, it really is, to me, anyway.
3: Yeah, when, when you explain, I've, I've had so many conversations. I have a really good friend who is probably going to start doing comedy pretty soon. We have political conversations all the time, and when we just kind of realize, like we explain something from a different perspective, and realize how ridiculous it sounds, we'll just cry laughing. So right. it's just, you're right, it's just you could explain politics that's why i do like trump is because politics is trump there's no way to make it funny it's already funny it's right. just so fun it's it's literally hilarious you didn't even laugh you just went insane yeah like yeah you
2: went straight that's how, insanity yeah
3: yeah so it's i, I think that's why I, it's this is i'm it, there will always be political comedy there's no way to get rid of it by any means and i wouldn't want to but because that's where i'm because here's the thing is uh political comedy generally comes from the outside as a force. So it's like, like Tipper Gore trying to, uh, you know, put all the ratings on video games and movies and stuff like that. Right. Right. right, right. All the way to like any progressive shutdown or even back to like when Rod Serling was writing, he was saying there's just a weird corporate influence where you had to keep it soft because I'm trying to sell some fucking toothpaste here. Right. And so it's, there's, there's always been that. So, just politics coming from within comedy is like a new thing, so it's and it doesn't look any uh, you know any less ugly than it coming from the outside. Like, uh have you seen the net yet? The Hannah Gatsby special.
2: No, no.
3: This like flew through the comedy world. So it's based like everywhere, like every media outlet before it even came out was writing these glowing reviews on how it's changing comedy. The anti-comedy comedy. It's like, okay, and so I watched it, and she has, like, three jokes that are funny, but it's basically a TED Talk about how she was raped at some point. So the the thing, her name's Hannah Gadsby, and I I have a friend who says, don't blame progressivism, blame Australia. They haven't given us one good comedian, and Jim Jeffries doesn't count because he grew up in the UK. (laughs) So it's just, there are no funny Australian comedians, and this is just another thing. It's just because she's basically saying self-referential comedy, right? like, humility is actually humiliation is the line she uses so it's 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 a little yeah it's a little ridiculous and the line that she says that i've been that i've been messing she's like and i simply refuse to do it anymore and i'm like so now i've been saying that for everything it's like i've been brushing my teeth but i simply refuse to do it anymore
4: that's great but there's ah,
3: well She's like, you shouldn't self-referential, you know, do self-referential comedy. And then later on, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, all her jokes are like, I look like a dumpy duck, don't I? And it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's maddening, truly maddening. So it's, and it actually made its way through the comedy circles and everyone's commenting on it. And like, yeah, it's one of those ones where she's saying, I'm going to quit comedy. And if you're not supporting this, then you should get the fuck off the stage. And it's like,
2: mm, Okay. Like, but, that's not funny at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, in fact,
3: most of it's just sobering, and that's fine. It sucks that she got raped. I wouldn't wish that on anyone at all. So I'll do the exact opposite.
2: But that's an example of maybe she actually it, does need therapy. Like, I mean, like you had mentioned how, how, you know, you can save on a therapist by, you know, you're, a lot of therapy is talking to someone, but it sounds like maybe she needs some feedback too. Like, maybe some like cognitive behavioral therapy or yeah. something. Like, you know, I'd like that, some actual help. Uh, uh, like this is an actual cry for help and people are, you know, she's getting a great you know, uh, what is it uh, yeah. uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating or whatever and it's like, no really, she actually needs help like this is not, we should not be feeding this it's what
3: it's what happens when you don't get heckled you know, like <laughs> when you don't do badly or get a bad reaction from the audience or even someone who just obviously is going to show you no respect, right. like you have the respect and you have to deal with that now it, like if that doesn't happen, that's how you get those te- like terrible comedians, and it, they all come from Australia. It's because it's, it's a fucking barbecue out there. No one's worried.
2: Yeah, Australia—that's <laughs> so it, Austra- where it all comes from. Australia actually doesn't exist. Um, I learned that on the internet. That's not a real place. Um, that's all. Uh, I'm not sure what the uh, the. Uh, I think that that's where the actual the, the the rim of the flat Earth is. I'm not. I'm not sure the whole theory, but basically Australia doesn't exist, and so. That maybe that's why their comedy's bad. Um, so so basically, so this is like it sounds like participation trophy comedy, where it's like if at no point was there any kind of resistance in the audience to your comedy, then you're, it's going to suck because you think everything's funny and and people politely applaud when you're not. Done. Necess- I wouldn't say necessarily that's the case. Okay.
3: Because sometimes. People want to be upset. Like there are I've um, actually on the twenty second, I don't know who's in the area. I noticed one of your friends posted that we went to the same college for a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know who's in the area. If anyone's watching, this will be a quick plug on a show. But on August 22nd I'll be in down or Old Town Sacramento at Laughs Unlimited for the Scumbag Alley show. Uh the Deaf Puppies, there's a comedy group out in Central Valley that they're they're awesome. They're just fantastic people. So it's like that's a show where people want to go and be upset at what's said. Not like they want to yell back, but they want to go like, like they want their boundaries tested, basically. So it's every audience is different. But those audiences are my favorite because we get to go on this ride together sort of
2: thing. Right, like, right.
3: Listen, this isn't going to be easy. Let's just hold on, you know.
2: So you're saying they, they want you're you're not saying they want to be offended and then like express outrage. They like want to hear that kind of humor. Yeah, I've
3: my brother and I have drain of that too where we'll just left it like come up with the most offensive thing we can say in a subject and then just stop. It's like throwing dirt clods at each other until you find a rock, you know? You <laughs> stop at the rocks. That's stop. Yeah, stop.
2: don't don't cause so physical harm, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and it's so it's i think it's just fun to find the boundaries and actually that's the one reason i was going to say i'm glad there i'm I'm glad there's some political comedy going on because it makes it it, it's a short stroll it's not a drive to find the line you know what i mean it's just i'm right here already so yeah it's the only reason i would say it needs to stick around is so that it makes the job easier and uh yeah
2: yeah i mean you you had mentioned uh carlin George Carlin would have a routine that I wouldn't describe it. At, I wouldn't describe George Carlin as a political comedian, quote unquote. He certainly didn't, I don't think Brandon him, branded himself that way, but you know, he would start with the, you know, I mean, he'd start with, like you said, dick jokes and stuff like that. And about two thirds, three quarters of the way in, he's not even telling jokes anymore. He's just laying down like agit prop about how the establishment doesn't care about you and you know, they're all just using yeah. you, and they're taking your money, and they're killing people, yeah. and, they're, and like, and everyone was wrapped in 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 what he was saying, and then he would, you know, segue it back into telling side. silly jokes. Yeah, absolutely, and that was the thing. It was like uh, he was able to get away with that, where he wasn't coming in going, "I am a anti-establishment comedian." But you,
3: but you explained it completely too. Yeah, like you're because I, I mean that's what i was saying before it's like sometimes i just want to find a word i want to say on stage and it's going to get me in trouble unless right. i find a way to say it so sometimes you got to talk about how we like dogs more because they got fucking eyebrows and then move into how you know a bipartisan move means there's a larger than normal deception being carried out and it's right. like yeah that,
2: those don't mix segue yeah 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 like
3: yeah it just grandpa lulls you into you talking crazy shit it's great so it's you either you have to do, like, you have to find your own way into it, because it is just trust and the art of persuasion. So it's like, well, they don't care what I say as long as they trust I don't mean it. Or I do, you know? Like, it just depends on what the dichotomy needs to
2: be. Right. Like, what so I do with yeah, my wholesome savage memes.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like, there's something, there's a level of goof I can I can attribute to you that where, if you do something goofy, I, that's... I, it, it's not gonna need to be reprocessed through my brain you know right. like i don't need to reparse anything yeah. you've said unless i'm like really like it and i was like dude that's it, you know like i like the way that's worded that sort of thing so right it's,
1: right right
3: it's, you see as i mean it's difficult to get political comedy across because no one trusts you <laughs> like no one trusts you right off the bat and they shouldn't because that's ridiculous and if they trust you, they're not paying attention. If you go up there and say, you know, I'm an ally to this and this and that, or I'm a you know card-carrying Republican, NRA member, all stuff, and that already gets the audience on your side, then you're not doing comedy. So it's yeah, you know, it's different.
2: Yeah, like the the sort of the it's... Larry the Cable Guy way of, of of going into it, but but meanwhile, and, and probably not so because uh, talking about trust, Larry That's the Cable terrible. Guy at, at label the, Larry the Cable Guy at this point. Everyone trusts that he is that character, or they're willing to you know suspend right. disbelief that he's that character and so you know whatever stereotypes or political or whatever that he puts into that they're perfectly fine with it because that's who they came they didn't came come to see whatever his actual name is. They came to see Larry the cable guy yeah Dan
3: something yeah. He had Dan Whitney is his real name oh, okay uh, yeah, yeah exactly like it's a uh, mostly. Yeah, it's all trust. Like, it's basically, if you can trust me in, in the, like, as I do a lot, I start my sets with a lot of, like, one-liner type jokes or just try to keep it dark but short, and so people kind of know where I'm going, and it's like, listen, if I take you on a journey, I did show you the signs, you know, before we got there, so right, just letting you know, like, the, that sort of thing. So I try to warn people, in a sense, it's not so much a trigger warning as it is, like, listen if you didn't like that choke and it looks like you didn't, you probably won't like these next ones. Right.
2: Right. 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 And well, and you can't, you you can't, you can't lead a, I can't imagine you can lead unless you're already a Seinfeld or a Carlin or, you know, an established name. You can't lead your, your routine. I wouldn't think with something that's going to require, you know, two or three minutes of introduction and, you know, like a story that you're telling, it's not going to work. Right.
3: Well, do you actually, it's not necessarily true. Sometimes it's just your look like, um, because I um, I started my last set that went all right, actually, with a. Imp- I mean, you can tell me not to do the impression, but it's an impression of pedophile Batman speaking to a 13 year old girl.
2: Okay. This is not advocacy for. Do pedophilia. you bleed?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. But it's basically him just yelling, yeah, do you bleed at her? And that set my set off perfectly. Because now. That's one joke. No one thought it was going to happen. It happened. Now we're past that, right? Past like that's that. That, that happened. Thing. Right, so, right,
2: right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, there's
3: no advocacy in there at there's all. No it's no just me advocating. making a terrible
2: right. <laughs> well, and that was the thing. So, like, obviously you're not advocating there. I think a lot of people actually thought Louis C.K. was saying, like, let's make it okay to have sex with children or what. Like, you know, it was like. Yeah. yeah. And it was like. It's no. why. You, it's. That's why he's a better comic, though,
3: because I don't have the balls, the attitude, and the like the the lines to make that happen. I can make a stupid Batman pun all right. day, but right. as because here's the thing. We know that. We know that there's a difference between advocacy and not, so he's playing with the line of advocacy. Right. Like that's literally all that joke is. So it's... He's doing he's a comics comic, and everyone thought they loved Louis for Louis, but it's like, nah, comics love Louis because we kinda see what he's doing. It's stuff he's bragging at us that we can't do that. You
2: can't you can't get <laughs> so away with that. Right, right, right.
1: No,
3: no. And I mean his last special was like thirty percent the N-word. So it's like, and he got away. No one said a thing. Everyone was talking about him possibly jerking off in front of people. And it's like, well, you let him get away with a lot. What did you expect? You That's know, a Mike? good
2: point, right? Like, in an age where, like, the fact that, I mean, Paula Dean had to go on an apology tour for admitting that 30 years prior she had said the N-word, and, and you know, <laughs> so and, and and I mean, meanwhile, she wasn't obviously not a stand-up comedian, but I mean, literally, it's at that point, and I remember, like, it, towards the end of the Trump, uh, to, at the end of the campaign in 2016, there were all these rumors that there was a... Uh, audio of Trump saying the N word and it would end him. And first of all, I don't think it would have ended him. But second of all, can we all pretend for a second that, that, you know, or can we all stop pretending that we don't think that Trump has said the N word at some point. And you know, if there's a, if if there's an audio of him doing it 15 (laughs) years ago, that suddenly changes the, the calculus of whether he can get elected or not.
3: That's pretty funny. Actually. It's like, yeah, my thought is dude, if there's audio of him saying the N word, I will do a Trump impression. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> and I'm not saying the word. I'm just
2: impersonating him saying the word.
3: Exactly, and because you can still hate him,
2: and it's just more like I bet he says it in a really entertaining way. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And and I mean, the thing is, like, like I you know. And like you said, in a time when you know there's this outrage over the possibility that someone might have ever said it in their entire lives, and and will admit to it, or there's audio of it, because otherwise we can pretend they've never said it before, because none of us have ever said that word ever in our entire lives. Um, the uh, Louis C.K. had a you know a show that, like you said, was very heavily in saying it over and over again, and and people were like, you know, like you said, he he's he's uh, well, he was. You know, uh, harassing women, or he was, you know, masturbating in front of women. It's like, well, you said he could say the n-word over and over again on a Netflix special, so he just never, you never said he couldn't, really. So right, it's right. like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> implied consent,
3: I guess. You know, yeah, he's <laughs> the. He's it's, the dumb- it's one of the. Well, it's just that's the thing. It's like he's got the trust, though. So it's like, well someone didn't want him around and i have my thoughts about it just because there's a lot of rumors fly around about these other comics who might have you know fabricated some shit and apparently uh, at least four of those stories i think it's like five total four of those stories like they were embellishments made so that you would still see him as the bad guy when it's like mostly he just is an exhibitionist which is fine but it's there's some stuff that someone wanted him to go down and i think I mean, it's not like I'm getting – I don't have a career, so it's not like I'm worried about it. But I think it was uh, Tig Notaro was one of them, and she like, pretty heavily was like implying. And I think uh, – what's her name? Michael Ian Black's wife I think is the other one. But it's okay. just so – it's it was targeted so it's like I I don't even look at that as anything and he's going to be apparently he's at the comedy store and the comedy seller all the time still so it's like I don't think it's really done anything to his career anyway I,
2: like, I, I think it will I, get away I think a temporary it temporarily knocked him off of the the Netflix special tier what like the top top tier until he's you know a sufficient time has passed for him to to come back on I mean uh, like you said he's he's still you know very heavily in rotation in in comedy and he also jumped in front <laughs> of it it's someone who gets away with everything he was very smart to really jump in front of it with like the most like like the the most solid apology ever for something like it was like i apologize here's why i did it cuz i'm terrible and i'm you know i thought i had power over these women and this needs to be a discussion <laughs> about how terrible i am for thinking that and I'm not even going to say anything anymore. I'm just going to listen to everyone else say how terrible I am. And I was like, "Wow, that's that's possibly <laughs> that's possibly the best apology in the outrage age ever." I think.
3: I, I mean, I'm a big fan of the no apology sort of thing there it's like Zach Efron's team did that. They just like were like, "Yeah, it didn't happen," and like no one's talking about it. So it's just like I'm a more of a fan of that. But I do think this is the same. I have a theory about like big comedians because we're all self-sabotaging narcissists it seems like so i think he did that so he wasn't the top guy again and he could work his way back from somewhere more obscure because he does better from an obscure place and i think he's playing because he's not dumb he's like he's not dumb enough to because i think he's a good enough writer that he could have written that apology to where he was back none of his stuff got canceled you know what i mean right right so I think he's just trying to sit in an obscure place and, like, make indie art. Because if you've seen, like, <laughs> Horace and Pete and stuff like that, he failed with other stuff. And he really took a leap. And I think it's because people expect him to do Louie or to talk about his kids or, you know. So I think it's a different sort of game with him. But that's same thing with Dave Chappelle. When he left, I think that was a measure of self-sabotage so he'd have something to come back to. That oh, was that
2: was such obvious self- I mean, like, he was at the... T- he was someone that... I, I've read a thing that he could have. He was getting like forty million dollar offers to do movies yeah. and stuff as like the lead role. Because Dave Chappelle, when you think of the lead comedic role for a for a rom com, Dave Chappelle obviously is the first name to come up, right? And and but I mean, at that time it was, yeah. and it wasn't like anyone found him to be a legitimate rom com lead. It was just he was that he could you could have put him in anything, and 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 you know he was so hot, and then he's like. Yeah, I'm gonna to move to South Africa, and no one's gonna hear from me for like eight years. And like, you know, like, yeah. no, that was obviously like, that was obvious self sabotage. That, and it was sad to me, but it's kind of funny now that he's coming back to a world that that, uh, you know, like his humor that is, you know, seen as you know, changing the the you know the the landscape. Now he doesn't. People are like, that's offensive, and like, no, he was doing this when you were six. So calm down that's the thing is he was getting
3: hate mail for his show and he had it on comedy central. So it's not like it's changed for him at all.
2: Right. right, It's more
3: just younger kids. No, like you don't have to write a letter and, you know, learn how to post, you know, learn how to calculate postage or anything like that. You just get on your phone. Your mom pays for and send a Yelp review or something, you know, like it's, it's so much easier to be the, you know, the short angled haircut, Harrod and, and like go from there. So it's, I don't that's the thing is I'm not like as worried about all of this as everyone else because it's just like ah, it's just internet like I, I joined the internet to shit on people anonymously so it's like I get it do that you know I'm right, just gonna right, right, be right. the guy that kind of welcomes it because you kind of have to everyone's no one's understanding that they're putting themselves out on like a public display when they post anything. And it, it, like, it is that it's just, there's no grand ceremony. You didn't get up on a stage. so it's, Right, right, right. You man. didn't,
2: you didn't grab a megaphone and say, I have something to say. You just started saying it and <sighs> people can access it whenever they want to. So that's a good point you made. Yeah. So you th- basically, and I don't want to, I don't want to do the, I don't want to lobster you with what you, what you meant to say, but, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but, uh, so basically you're saying, I think that. People have always been offended and always been outraged, but it was a lot harder. It wasn't possible for every single Joe Schmo on earth to put out there that how offended they were. Whereas now literally you can just get on your phone and tweet out that like that literally like, you know, it literally dehumanized me or whatever. Like, yeah.
3: You had to have good enough handwriting to get a (laughs) message across before. Right. So it's like, there's something there's something dead. Like, everyone's always been offended. That's, like, why we know about fishwives. It's, like, they were offended when no one had money. A king had all your money. Women were offended, generally. Right. So it's, like, it comes, it's just a strain of it. And when it's, when we're, all, everything's taken care of as far as shelter, food, that sort of thing, it's a lot easier to do that. So it's, like, easy lines of communication aren't going to change the way we speak. It's only going to amplify it, is the way I think
2: of it. Mm, that's a it's, good point.
3: Because even if you don't have a mask, a lot of people are – I mean we're all narcissists, I think, some of us more than others. But like anyone who jumps on social media and says something, even if they're making a point, they want people to see it and they want people to see that they made the point, which in a sense – is what was happening during letter writing campaigns for stuff like that, and honestly, that's been the whole thing. It's just letter writing campaigns, so it's I, I don't worry about it too much. But it's a, le- it's it's not it's a, it's a letter it's writing.
2: Not- it's a letter writing campaign. Everyone can do immediately, instantly, and everyone sees it instantly. So it's like yeah. you said, it's it's amplified in volume and in how quickly it can spread, and also I guess in how quickly it fades away, like. Who even remembers what anyone was yeah. offended about three months ago?
3: I mean, I remember it all just because I'm like tracking it. I was, I was gonna start when I do my studio. I was gonna start putting uh, pictures up of disgraced comedians and people have been accused of rape and shit like that. And just you know, I'm just like, well, this is, this is why we're here, gentlemen. The hall like, of that heroes, sort of thing. <laughs> but it's yeah, yeah, you know, good and bad, right? Like, right, but right, right. <laughs> I think it's more it highlights something that I've been trying to say and had a, it didn't really have a way to articulate it until recently is that there are so many different paths to success within any market. And to say that NBC, a, a writing gig at NBC or a 13 second, you know, commercial you got on the Super Bowl, which is basically the top for what you can get writing right, and right, comedy right, doing right. any of that. Right. Those aren't the only ways to be successful by any measure of the game. So it's, And basically, those are the only types of jobs you can't get if you want to say something offensive.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at if you look at a Kevin Hart or um, you know, I'll just use Kevin Hart as as an example. His routine is I'm not sure. I I wouldn't say it was you know edgy, raunchy, but it certainly has an edge to it. But yet, what he does on the Tonight Show or or you know or on even on Saturday Night Live or you know in a, in one of his you know movies with the rock or whatever it's a completely different it's just Kevin Hart <laughs> being silly it's not like it's not that kind of hard edge and Eddie Murphy who like i mean his comedy routines were i mean even by today's standards ha- pretty I, rough and by <laughs> in 1980s it was like holy crap <laughs> it's so funny
3: because i i used to have like soundboards for just clips from that and right. i'd have to like explain to people that it was Eddie Murphy and they're like
4: Jesus, like what? Yeah,
3: what was he doing? It's like, well, he was probably. I mean, he was apparently having sex with transsexual hookers, so (laughs) probably just getting out his own self hatred on stage in a in a red leather jacket with no shirt underneath. You know, like it's obvious, but yeah, it's it's fucking great. And now, and now he's
2: like (laughs) kids know him as Donkey, and it's like you know, like he's a he's a beloved children's (laughs) character who like. Or Bob Saget, my God. I know Bob Saget from Full House. Like, I grew up, Bob Saget was, you know, a surrogate Gentile father that I never had. Um, And when I heard what his routine, like, I saw him on The Aristocrats. And then I went on YouTube and started looking at Bob Saget routines. And I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea that Bob Saget is worse than Gilbert Gottfried. Like, I didn't know. I had no idea. And that's yeah. it's crazy. Well, and he Bob is- Saget
3: did well, Bob Saget did it because he uh, he didn't want to be seen as America's dad anymore, and he was just like, I can do dirty because everyone who would go to his shows would get shocked at his comedy, and he was just <laughs> so he went even harder. Yeah,
4: I mean, it's like he's insane. like, I used to be. The Amer-
3: yeah. Well, it's uh, man, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, he he got stuck in a thing, but uh, how do I want to put this? So. I guess back to the other... Well, he still makes money is the nice thing. But uh, what I was going to mention is that just so any of us listening out there who are thinking about making money doing this, there is one of my favorite podcasts. It is so broken down. you You wouldn't even believe. Like, they don't do video. They don't have intro music. It's abrupt at start and end. So it's just like, yeah, we're talking. And then by the end, it's like, yeah, bye. And then they're out. They make... 40 grand a month through Patreon. So, three of them make around, I want to say, what would it be? Something around 13, 14 grand
2: a month. A month. On Patreon.
3: A month. They work two hours a week and they did it through just a half subscription status. So, they release one hour that's free a week and one hour that's, you know, a, a buck 25 per episode if you're just doing the $5 donation. Right. So, it's like, there's so many ways to do it, and I just think it doesn't matter. Who cares that any, everyone's offended right now? They uh, they won't be very soon because they won't be your audience. So
2: well, and that's the, shit. that's the thing. Like, so I'll hear people that will go, you know, you're not allowed to say anything anymore, and I'm like, who's not allowing you? And they're like, well, this person said that I was a Nazi or that you know I was whatever, and they're offended and they're calling for a boycott, and I'm <laughs> like, that's different from not allowing you. They're saying they don't like it. <laughs> and that's okay like you it, it, you know you can't you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna play their club if they have one like that's that's the extent of which that damages you Um, you know and, and, yeah. and, and to, to whatever extent they're being offended catches on with the general public it will hurt you but most people are just like I don't care or I don't even know they're upset well, and if mo- I do I don't care
3: well that's the thing is if you're getting any kind of positive feedback even if it's small it's generally at most 20 percent people that don't like you right so it's it, it's not anything to re, like really be mad about or anything like that it sucks because most of the time you don't get criticism and it's especially not as direct it's usually just people not laughing you know like that's basically all you get if you're doing comedy but it's yeah, it's only a couple of rooms. Like I came I, – I started in the Fresno area and like Fresno, uh, Tulare, Bakersfield, San Luis Obispo. So I was kind of doing Southern California but not L.A. And uh, there's no problems. I've never been kicked out of a room. I basically get am appreciated anywhere I go as far as the, that goes. But as soon as I came up to Sacramento, there was obvious clicks. And it's just like, well, I just don't do those two rooms. Like no one appreciates me there even when I kill. So it's like why no. would I – doesn't matter. And mo- here's actually the thing. Most of the time no one's going to create a hubbub. They're just not going to book you silently. So it's why would you care?
2: Right, right, right. So the worst case scenario is you weren't invited back pretty much. Yeah. Like you don't that's get
3: That's fine. But that's the thing is they're trying to they're trying to foster something and if you don't fit
2: it, that's how it is. You, right. didn't, you didn't get a hit, basically. Right. Well, like you said, if you were so, making your yeah. thing, you wouldn't have them on because you're you're trying to go for that, for that edge.
3: Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. The bar that died, I would keep that spirit alive if I could because I went back and did a half hour. And they always have these TV screens uh, up on the stage, kind of like monitors. But they keep the time going so that you know how much time you have left on the set which is beautiful. It's one of the best things I've ever seen on it because no one has to light you. You already have it. It like blinks when it's down to one minute, but they spent the first 15 minutes of that playing a full tranny porn video. And like, I was just distracted the entire time. just having to comment on the whole thing. And uh, yeah, there's just something rough and like, they didn't let me do my, you know, tailored bits or anything (laughs) like that. So it's it's like yeah fuck your comedy your comedy sucks now make make this funny asshole right so right it's, right it, right that's and I kind of like that because it it it's built so many good comics that came out of there like uh, actually if you look up the Comedy Central like the Rose Battle this season that's coming out okay one of them Keith Carey they basically him and Connor McSpadden were like best friends in comedy they went up and did naked roast battle with Viagra flowing through their system. So they're just standing there with giant boners roasting each other. But Keith, yeah, it's hilarious because they somehow don't talk about each other's dicks and, uh, and it's uh, yeah. Keith Carey came from my area too. So it's like there is a specific strain of people that just come from like a, a level of abandon. It's great. So it's, I don't know. I'd probably foster some kind of that. It's like, yeah. Come here and do whatever you want, because uh, all the strikes are already against you. <laughs> it's now, like, what, what are you going to lose now?
2: Right. Exactly. So you. So I, I think. And again, I. I, I try. I, I will one day have a guest where I do nothing but lobster them the whole time, like everything they say. I'll be like, so what you're saying is, and then I'll just you know like some terrible thing until they leave. Like it'll be like how how many minutes will it take before they just give up and like quit the the hangout or whatever like you know like so you're saying that you know the children should be enslaved again like so um but but (laughs) am am i getting that so you're so are you saying that you know the the children should be enslaved no are you saying that uh you know that there really isn't a place for comedy at least now to inspire social change or to to do any of that or just that it's so heavy-handed how when people try to do it
3: well, it, that you said it exactly right. Uh, there, there's no comedy that should inspire anyone other than to just do comedy. Right. Like, uh, Bonnie Mac, if he, you probably know the name Rich Foss, right?
2: I've it's heard of old it. Yeah. O and a right. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So his,
3: his wife, Bonnie McFarland is probably my favorite female comedian. And she has a tweet that I'm going to put on a throw pillow that says, uh, if you ever find out my work, uh, encouraged or empowered anyone i'm gonna quit like there's no that's it so it's just like i am I'm, I'm with her on that mostly because it doesn't um you got not that you gotta hate yourself but you have to throw away the idea that you're an artist to do this so it's like as soon as you start getting it up your own ass it just becomes bad comedy it's like oh i don't care like someone that's way too into themselves is not funny as um as a relatable character it's always like i want to laugh at that guy for not being connected to anything that's happening right
2: now so it's so like it's, an, it's like an escape it, like i want i want to laugh i don't want to be dragged into what's happening in the world or whatever
3: well not just that it's um it's low-hanging fruit for the most part like carlin did it well like there were people saying the shit he was saying they just didn't have a way to package it that was palatable for anyone right they so, but good, that because those lines are low-hanging yeah, there's lines that are low-hanging fruit, really. So it's like, unless you're going to do something new, it's going to sound like the dude around the bonfire who's the only one on acid who's like, yeah, nothing's real, man. And it's like, yeah, you're a hack. Just You're you're a hack philosopher. You're a hack comic. It's like, do something new, man. Like,
4: right, right, It's funny right.
3: that you called me a philosopher, too. I have yeah, to say, that's, that's I, probably the most insulted I've ever been in my life.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was going to put it in quotes, and then I thought that might actually be more insulting. So I just left it. I'm gonna leave it that way. It's
3: a, it's <laughs> it's actually less insulting because it's more true. It's like now I have to explain to people that I'm not that a, philosopher. a philosopher.
2: <laughs> I was gonna put self-described philosopher so that people would think that was like how yeah. you know how you said please please uh, identify me as a as a stand-up comedian and philosopher. Um, but no, I I just think of well, like, my, go ahead.
3: Oh no no! no. I, well, I was gonna say my definition of a philosopher is someone with massive amounts of students. That nothing to show for it, so nice. I probably am a philosopher.
2: Nice. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> see, so that's so in a roundabout way, I nailed it. Um, no, when I think of like you know, yeah. poly, uh, uh, comedians that inspired or at least started a conversation with social change, I think of here it comes, Lenny Bruce. Um, uh, I think of uh, <laughs> I think of Lenny Bruce, and you know, like you know, he did the he had his routine. He had his uh, his routine where he would, and again, this was a time when you know the idea of interracial relationships were completely foreign and he was like okay you can choose imagine you know if you will that you can choose one of two wives one of them is uh uh oh i don't think i i don't remember who it was now i think lena horn or something like that and the other one was some you sure. know horrible white woman that you know no one would find attractive and he's like now all of a sudden race doesn't matter as my you know people were laughing and and whatever and, and then he got real heavy into, uh, uh, like the Catholic church and how it was like the holiday Inn that, you know, wherever you would go, you know, holiday inns are kind of, they, they, they flavor them for that area. So if you're in Florida, they have pine trees and if they're, or palm trees, <laughs> and if, if they're in, uh, you know, if they're in, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, if they're in Michigan, they have, you know, uh, uh they have, you know, Michigan state stuff up or whatever. And like that, that's how she the Catholic church everywhere. is. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that they have, you know, like the Catholic Church does the same thing, you know, in their different areas. And then I guess it got a little bit darker with it. But, um, you know, is it just that you have to really be good to do that? And or 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 is it that we've solved these kind of issues? So now it's sounds like the things that you would try to be frustrated about aren't really like anything even worth being upset about.
3: Well, we've solved the moral question on most of them. And that's right. the thing is, like,
2: those moral questions, they're
3: easy. They are. But they weren't really being examined at all. And I'm I'm, a, I'm a, of the particular school that thinks Lenny Bruce is a terrible comedian. But it's only because his stuff didn't endure. Like, it's not funny now, necessarily. Right. And, in fact, he really only got arrested for using the term cocksucker. And it's so it's – there's, it wasn't for it, being like, there's something about yeah, yeah, it yeah, where yeah. – yeah it's it's just it there's something about it when it's a political statement it's just the fact that you're doing it not what you're saying or who's going to be mad at you for saying it right it's the fact it's just the fact that you're doing it and if it doesn't i mean that's why i've been really fucking disappointed in conservatives recently but it's just like it doesn't unless someone yells at you for it it's not a revolution it's not a it's not a slight to the powers that be at all even if it's because the the you know, the masses can control everything, and if they're the ones in power, then you got to upset them too. So it's, right. yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, no one's really upsetting the people that need to be upset. So it's, you know, and even if you're going to do it, trust me, it doesn't sound great. Because, like, I've written a lot of bits where it just comes out like slam poetry, and I'm just like, this is
4: terrible. <laughs> this isn't
3: funny. Like, start wearing a t- black turtleneck and acting like I'm serious all the time. That's the one thing. I think it's just... The best way to put it is that political comics take themselves way too fucking
2: take seriously. Really, they think really they're smarter seriously. than everyone. Well, you end up like Bill yeah. Maher. And I mean, I'm... you end up like a Bill Maher who oh, actually yeah. has a show where he is serious about politics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 you end up, you know, I guess Bill Maher is is ultimately what they all want to be. I guess where you know he has a show and it's yeah. not it's not funny. It's just a talk show where he occasionally no. cracks jokes. The
3: funniest thing. The funniest thing that happened on that show was his him using the N-word recently. And I, I was just like, that's the most daring you've been in 10 years.
4: Right, like, right,
3: so it And it's like it upset the right people, too. So it's like – because there were tons of people who were on, on his side on the left, and it was just – there was some media strain that didn't let him do it. And that's fine, but it, that's what's going to happen when you have a fucking corporate job. But there's <laughs> – it's – I think it's just it's going to be really hard to be a political comedian. Like I think actually the only political comedian I like who stopped being political is uh, Doug Stanhope, and because he would I mean he's even libertarian. Yeah, he, he was a way to Yeah. Well, the, I, I but he wrote the quint. He like he did it though. It's like um, I have a friend who's just a metalhead all the way through, and he is like he shows me certain albums where it's like this is the end of metal. We've literally written everything that's in metal. Now anything else is superfluous and it's something else. So it's right. like no really good libertarian that's passed to the one where it's like if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. And if you teach a man to fish, he's got to get a fishing license. That's – that whole bit that he does that is like the most perfect libertarian bit because it explains everything. It explains the gripe. It explains the solution. There's no reason to write anymore on it. And it's like – it's the thing. It's like most of these things are solved already in argument. But right. we don't have a way to actually solve them yet. So it's like now we're just pounding a dead horse and making right, everyone you're just talking him. about
2: it over and over again. Well, like Dang. he has this whole thing on nationalism. He was actually really good at, at making that into good punchlines. But like you said, it's been said now. So now what? I'm going to go up and say, yeah, I think so too. Like, hey, has anyone heard of that yeah. taxationist <laughs> theft meme? Like, you know. Yeah, well,
3: that's my favorite part of Dave Smith is that he'll just like slightly sneak it into other things in right. a funny way where like Lewis, one of their last ones, he was like, I don't need any of your libertarian crap tonight. And Dave Smith just goes, taxation is theft. And it just shuts right. up. And that's, yeah, that's <laughs> it. like, exactly it's a good way to sneak it in there, but it's more making fun of himself. So it's, right. it's what I mean. There's got to be a, a, line, a line written there, but man, yeah, I I think that yeah, Stan Hope is easily the best, but speaking of him, I saw him in Reno last year. And he said the most important thing that probably illustrates what I, why political comedy generally sucks is that you're not making fun of anything. Right. You know what I mean. You're not like if you're going to be the angry comic, then people got to be laughing at you, not at the concept. If you're going to be the, guy, you know, like a, he basically put it as I used to get in trouble for making fun, and I didn't understand that because there was no fun, and then I made some. And now I'm in trouble for right. some reason, and it's that's the whole spirit. That's the whole spirit of it, anyway. So it's like it's always going to be lost if you're not just trying to make fun out of something.
2: Right, 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 like, right. It's the difference
3: between ribbing and actually trying to hurt someone's feelings or something like that. You know, right, exactly,
2: like, exactly. Just, well,
3: if I'm you can tell when a line like I, I I've been on a few roast battles recently, and those are ones where you can just say anything. But I realized like, oh, that was kind of over the line. I I won't ever use that joke again. Like right. I'm sorry, so, like that sort of like, like
4: I'm sorry,
2: like in like, the middle yeah, of like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh,
4: a... Yeah.
3: Oh, I actually I did. That's funny because it was a joke about how my buddy's brother killed himself, and I oh had to God. bring that up in the joke to make the punchline. <laughs> oh, <cool. laughs> and everyone goes oh. And then yeah, afterwards I was like, you know, I'm sorry about that
2: one. No, yeah. I, no. Really. I didn't feel, yeah. Feel yeah good, sorry. So, yeah. You did that. that, I wrote it unless you you find it funny. No, it doesn't feel right. (laughs) Oh my gosh! One of the last
3: like comedy taboos. uh, It seems to be pedophilia. I tend to write a lot of jokes about it because it actually does scare me. So it's like me working through the idea that there are people that are like that, and I'm like, oh fuck, how do I? Yeah.
4: Right. So it's
3: what do you think of? Because I'm I don't know how you know learned you are on the most recent happenings, but like James Gunn and Dan Harmon. Have you heard of it, anything? So
2: uh, I didn't read the J- James Gunn tweets. Um, I just know that. <laughs> so I don't really know. I know that people were saying he was making jokes about pedophilia, but he's from trauma, right? Like that's his background was from the trauma uh, trauma groups, right? Like the like that's where he. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. That's kind of standard. Yeah, fare, he was making like, bad
3: well he was making bad jokes it's a uh, mike cernovich is actually the reason all this shit came no out. i not know, I know. and i used to think mike was kind of mike was kind of cool and i'm just like oh no he's just he's crossed the rubicon he's just become just as bad as anyone else but it's basically he's trying to get all these people in and the funny thing is from 2009 they brought up that self sarah silver tweet which is a really funny pedophilia tweet to be honest it's like is it pedophilia if the kid comes on to you i need a quick answer (laughs) that's the
4: tweet
3: (laughs) so it's like there's something funny about that where you can picture that she's got a time crunch to figure out if this is morally okay and it's like (laughs) like i think that's and it's funny because it's like 10 years ago and she now she's on the other side of it but it's what you what i'm noticing is that I don't I understand the scorched earth sort of thing and like putting the the shoe on the other foot, I guess is a good way to put it. Right. Yeah. I think the James Gunn thing, the Dan Harmon, the Dan Harmon thing is easily way over the line for some things. But until you realize it's him doing a parody of the the Dexter thing,
2: have you seen it? uh, Yeah, I've seen that. That that I have seen. The James Gunn tweets, I didn't know what they were. So I I sort of was reserving judgment until I had seen it. When I saw the yeah. Daryl or whatever it was called, <laughs> Daryl, oh. yeah. I was like, and it's he's like that st- staring at the other guy, and I'm like, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, it put his. I didn't it's, find it's, it, for it for funny. I, I didn't find it funny. I was just like, mouth open. I, like, I
3: found it. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah,
3: no, I did the same thing, but then like because it, it, there, it's him basically redoing Dexter. Right. And it's like, well, these babies are bad, bad babies. (laughs) It's like this, this flimsiest. The funny part is how flimsy the justification is. And it's what I think is funny about it is him saying like, well, it's not justified to just kill someone either. But we're all like fantasizing about it and shit. And it's like, there is something to it. And I it is really rough but that is just the 45 second pilot he put together like yeah. there's not a full show it's just it's no, just no no yeah i know it and... was
2: it was a joke that yeah and and i get it it was and yeah. I, I once i knew that it was that it was a, a dexter you know uh spoof or whatever yeah and that he was based like you said it was like okay but we're okay with him like murdering being a serial killer you know, that's, that's, that's not a line, oh, yeah. but these like, you know, yeah. raping the bad babies. I don't know. Like I said, I just, I saw it and I'm like, I, <laughs> yeah, that's like, what I, did. I had no, I, was like, I, I just, was, I, here's, here's honestly, it was. honestly, honestly I my, my saying f- like, oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: I was going to say, as soon as I heard saying, thank you for leaving your window open, I did start laughing. I was like, he's not doing this, is he? <laughs> it's like, thank you for being such a good patient and a good father. And I'm like, oh, he's not. Oh, he is doing it. And it's just the most awkward thing on the planet. It's obviously a fake baby. And it's oh, yeah, like, yeah. It's just no, him no, laying yeah. on top of it. Yeah, it. yeah, I think it's more like a... F- Cause he even says when he wrote, cause I watched the original, like I'm about this a long time ago, but when he released it originally, he was like, you know, I've been questioning releasing. I did it as kind of like a pitch to show time, just to see if I could, what I could do with them and what they would let me do. And it's just like, yeah, no, he's testing the boundaries there for sure. Yeah. He's like, I questioned releasing it to the public, but here you go. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I'd be more creeped out if he never released it to the public. Let's put it that way.
2: If we didn't know that he had done like... that, yeah, I guess. so. <laughs> Honestly, so my my actual like thought that I had because most of it was like a thoughtless, just like staring, like I can't believe I'm looking at this. But the actual like what I could consider a yeah. co- cogent thought that I had from it was, we're never going to see another episode of Rick and Morty again, and uh, I like, well, that that's... was that was my thing. I was like, and I because I really like Rick and Morty, and I'm like, oh no, and which uh, so was very selfish reaction was like, we'll never like. The three seasons that we were the sixty additional episodes or whatever we were getting that'll never happen. And then I guess support I guess yeah. I guess Adult Swim is standing it's by him on. or whatever. Yeah, they're standing by him. So I I I, I don't know what. I, yeah. I, put it this way: if he can do that, Adult Swim's that
3: kind of network though. But yeah, right. Well, the one thing though is it's it's uh that bothers me because I know it's a numbers decision, right? Because they. Uh, I mean, it, a little bit at the very least, because uh, did you ever watch Million Dollar Extreme? I'm sure you're familiar with Sam Hyde. Um, I maybe, know Sam maybe Hyde.
2: I, ha- I know Sam Hyde. I don't know Million Dollar Extreme.
3: So that's his comedy group. It's with Charles Carroll and Nick Rochefort, and they uh, they had a show on Adult Swim for one season. It's six episodes. It's called World Peace, and I have like the uncut versions of it, cause he's, it but it's they kicked them off because they were Trump supporters, basically. Like uh, Tim Heidecker and Brett Gelman got them kicked off the network, and they because they got one season, and it took a week after everything had aired, or no, the second had aired, where Adult Swim ordered four more seasons from them because they were like, people love it, this is great, but it didn't get the numbers that uh, uh, Rick and Morty gets right. because it's not accessible to most, most people. So it's like, well, I'm glad they stuck by Dan Harmon, but. There's like Sam Hyde's the most ironic individual I've ever encountered in my life. So it's like you got to at least let him have that kind of room. Otherwise, you're going to get a shitty show. And yeah,
2: it's so it's so what I, I, I remember hearing something about that. But I I, I just I, and here's where I heard it from was from the same people that are now, you know, want to boycott Rick and Morty. It was you know the kind of the right the cons- <laughs> the conservative of social media that that I heard of that someone had been kicked g- off of Adult the Swim. The Gavin McInneses. Yeah, exactly. The Gavin McInnes- McInneses that that he, that someone had been kicked off of Adult Swim for being a Trump supporter. Was it that? Like, what was it? Literally just that that he he voted for Trump. That was the extent of what he did wrong. Well,
3: yes, but no. Okay. Because there's a, a video of him doing an inter- interview with Joe Bernstein, who is a blogger who used to write for the New York Times and stuff like this. He's basically been downgraded because he's a shitty journalist. Okay. And Joe Bernstein was trying to do a hit, hit beat on him. And this Skype conversation that they had that Bernstein didn't know was being recorded, Sam is just shitting on him constantly. He's like, you're never going to work for the New York Times again. You're a fucking nothing. And like shit like that. And it's just... <laughs> shitting on him hardcore it's really uncomfortable actually because it's like he's okay with just doing this i guess okay cool right, he's right, doing right. this hard uh shit. but after that hit piece after hit piece after hit piece just started rolling out from our like different publications and stuff and then tim heidecker did a thing brett Gelman did a thing and like yeah it's just it sucks apparently eric andre was the only one that was like they're fine like <laughs> who cares like they make a funny show so it's yeah, it, it's um, it was one of those things. Once again, it's always if you ever get harangued by the public, it was targeted and it's generally pretty specific. It's just someone doing a lot of um, wave making on the internet, and
2: that's all it takes. So right, right, right. Yeah, it, it's the like yeah they. Said, I, it's I the, mean, it's the new letter writing campaign. Yeah,
3: but here's the thing: is uh, Dan Harmon's left wing, so I, you could probably say that it's just that they were right wing. Like he's he's pissed off a lot of people, but. Cernovich isn't going to take him down with this video. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Cernovich isn't as good at doing their game as they are at it because he doesn't have the publications for it. It's like, yeah, Breitbart, but most of those people weren't watching Adult Swim as it was.
2: And that's so the it's... thing; he's not affecting their bottom line like a like someone like a you know a left wing version of him that's telling you know basically most of the Adult Swim audience that you know this person is this and and you know they're going to have more of a, a make more of a wave in ratings than than Cernovich can.
3: Well, yeah, exactly. And the one thing is he's already got a name that a lot not a lot of people in the mainstream trust anyway. And that's I think what I'm annoyed by with the right is that they've they were cool with the underground thing for like uh, maybe a year and a half. And now they're just trying to do the same tactics as anyone else. So it's like they've forgotten that there's like a cool indie thing happening without them and they're, you know, turning back to the old ways again, which is just, I want to just see good fights as far as this goes. Like I like the rules for radicals book because it's like, Oh, I want to see if you guys can figure this out. How do you, you know, how do we evolve more?
4: Like, how do we evolve
3: more nasty tricks? That's what I want to see. But like, it's, it's more interesting (laughs) that way, but it's uh, what I'm looking at is like, there's no reason if you're, I would put this way, if you're left wing, yeah, join the mainstream, but if you're going to say something that will upset them, don't do that, make it yourself. And if, Basically, 98% of the field should just do this shit themselves and don't rely on NBC or a writing job or anything like that because uh, if you do anything, really, uh, they because it's basically commercial work. So if you do commercial work and you have a shitty online presence, they're going to be like, well, we can't air this commercial that right. you acted in. So. Right, 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 right. So, yeah. Did you watch the video of Roseanne? Uh, her son was filming her, like explaining herself, and she's like got a cigarette and she's the gold dress the whole time. I, didn't, uh, I did. I did not. And everything. Is,
2: is that where she said I thought she was white or something like that?
3: I, I thought I thought the bitch was white. God damn it, fuck! I thought she was fucking white and like screaming. And it's like it's such an honest. You're like, dude, it's her saying like enough with all of this. This right. isn't like it. I be- I believe her totally, but it's. Yeah, that's what I mean. It, it's one of those things where she wasn't even seeing it coming, where like she didn't even know they were just gonna sweep the rug out from under her. So it's uh,
2: Valerie Jarrett yeah, of all don't... things. Like, I mean, she she went after a, a <laughs> mid level Obama administration official, like and and the knives. came Yeah, she's out like for hanging her. out with
3: Charlie Daniels on Twitter, and hey, yeah, it, it yeah, it's just like conservative. Uh, uh, like conspiracy theory style stuff. She was talking about Valerie Jarrett basically authoring the Iran deal, and then thought she was white. <laughs> thought she was white. It actually and, makes sense. My and purpose.
2: and said, uh, what was it? The, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood and and uh, and and uh, Planet of the Apes or whatever. But like the funniest thing there well, to me. On.
3: Well, I mean, the the chick she's referring to in Planet of the Apes, there is a similarity. It's not. It's the the younger girl. It's in the first one, and it's the assistant to Doctor Zayas, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there is a similarity. So it's like, well, she was on point. She may have been on Ambien, but and, she wasn't off on and the. And that actress,
2: now. that actress was white, by the way. So just you know, everyone. Yes. So she thought she was comparing a white person to a white actress. You see, um, a white person. <laughs> yeah, the funniest thing to me with all of that was that. In doing so, what what is it, ABC or whatever network, they immediately canceled their most popular TV show to massive outrage yeah. from the people that watched it. So, like, in trying to show, like, we're not going to offend people, they instead offended way more people and canceled, like, literally their – I believe it was the either – it was definitely their most successful in that time slot or that, you know, whatever – But it was, I think, the most successful show they have or one or most successful sitcom they have or whatever. It was like, you know, and it was they were talking about the comeback of I think it was ABC, you know, and or CBS, whichever network it was. And they cancel it and like just lost all and haven't been able to replace it. And there was even talk of them trying to rebrand it as being, you know, the the, without her. Yeah, without her, the Connor the meet the Connors, or whatever, like without, you know, for Tim Roseanne wasn't there because she said someone was a monkey or whatever like we didn't need a new we
3: didn't really need a new Roseanne is the one contention I have where it's like yes it was the most popular thing they have now but if you compare it to one of the even their lowest episodes in its original run it's embarrassing
2: oh of course Yeah, yeah so
3: it's so it's like they're, they're just a dying network and the only thing that's made them successful in these last 10 years has been kowtowing to anyone who yells loud so it's like that's just been their play this for this whole time right. since 20 at least hardline since 2014 since its since Disney and ABC kind of became more interlinked I guess I would say but it's it basically been the case is that there it's a dying televisions a dying medium print is a dying medium like online publication is almost now a dying medium. So it's like like pure publication <laughs> where you go and check dying. new, new, you know? Well, that's the thing is it's all being like filtered into one type of thing. So it's like these businesses know this and they have to rebrand somehow. And right. the quickest, the thing that's coming the quickest is complaints. So now they're just becoming giant complaint departments. And uh, that's just how corporations are going to have to work now because that's the only thing that keeps their stocks afloat. So right.
2: well, people don't like, if watch- you don't fuck up, People don't watch shows anymore. They're just looking at Snapchat all day, and so you know what, how do, you can't yeah. compete with Snapchat. So you just you just handled their complaints about your your programs.
3: Oh yeah, no. Uh, what's it called? Uh, like corporate Twitter accounts basically ruined everything. Like we thought thought it was like quirky that Wendy's was like talking shit to Jack in the Box or whatever it is. Right. And it's like, well, really, like really, all they did was find a way to market that you don't see them marketing. Right. So it's like, right. well. So it's just that, like Bill. See, once again, Bill Hip was right. We just haven't had a way to fix whatever it is. It's like, oh, he's got that anti-marketing dollar, and it's like, yeah, so that we get. Either we gotta, either we have to fix the way we think about money, or you know, like we have to try to make it so that there's some kind of like everyone at least has their own compass to go by. Because like for the most part, I I am a libertarian, but I do see it basically making. It makes art terrible. I will say that it's not. It doesn't make steel terrible or computers terrible or anything like that. But it makes art pretty terrible because yeah, you get, if you want to put it this way, the most money is being given to the shittiest comics right now. The most progressive comics. It's not funny, but it's making them money.
1: Right. That's for sure. So right.
3: it's it's not a good measure of what's good. It's what's you know. It's it's more like what's good for the moment. Yeah, what's right. popular. Right. So it's right. I would. I would say that it's just more, um, yeah, it's marketing. So it's like, I'm trying to do this without marketing just to see if that does anything and all it's really, I mean, it gets me shows, but it's not, um,
2: it's working. No one likes me.
3: Yeah. No one really likes me, but it's not what I'm going for. So that works out, but it's a lot easier to just shut down the relationship very quickly. But, uh, (laughs) it's, uh, yeah. And then I can blame it on them. But, uh, the one thing I really wanted, it's really just, um, that's the way it's going to work out. And I think if you're going to do anything funny, especially if you want to try stand up comedy, go in knowing the strikes are already against you and just try to have some fun. Like, uh, up said it says it this way that there's been putting social commentary in my bits for years and it never changed a fucking thing. So I'm going to tell fist fuck jokes and enjoy myself. So it, it, that's a good way to live if you're gonna do this I guess is a good way to put it if you're gonna get addicted to doing this and broadcasting and you know doing comedy it's just you got to find a way to just enjoy yourself because otherwise it'll just be a uphill walk and it won't be fun and it's not fun don't do
4: it
2: yeah no i was uh I was not like I going into this because that was the thing that kept me from even doing podcasting or whatever is I'm like I don't want to become like heavy-handed social commentary spike. Like it's one thing to to, to to work in my my you know my my beliefs which are about as fringe as it gets to begin with, but it's one thing to work it in and and to, to, to be topical about it. It's another thing to just like stare at. That's why I have guests every episode cuz I don't want this thing, I don't want to be one of those people on YouTube that's like they have these like, you know, hour-long episodes where they're just staring at the camera and like explaining why you know why the the monetary system has been set up to victimize it like you know because and again people watch that but i'm not i don't want i don't want to be that person right like i just i don't want to do it
3: yeah i'm with you there i got re- actually one guy a podcast with every now and then we're about to release about 10 episodes and just gonna go from there we would get stuck in that together because we were both kind of mired in it like in the whole political thing where it's right, like right, right. this is you know everything's gonna we're gonna get, we're heading towards a collapse, and we're like buy, you know, talking about buying guns, and it's just like there's not so much entertainment value from that unless you're just like going back and be like, man, we sound crazy right there, but it's <laughs> like we were buying guns on like gun parts and like uh, uh, accessories online and shit like that, and it was just like that was the podcast for a short amount of time, <laughs> so we tried really hard to get away from that. And I got mad at him once because we had like two episodes that were great, and then he just started saying some crazy shit. And I was like, oh, f- fuck, man, what are we gonna do? We can't just do this."
2: Well, I plan and, to uh, have I plan to have an episode little... about three D printing of guns, and I'm trying to like, yeah, uh uh, curate the most insane person I can find <laughs> to be my guest on that episode, so we can just get really wild eyed about like. 3D printed guns and like how this and blockchain yeah. are gonna change everything, man. Like so. <laughs> and, and, like, um, but my other thing is, and yeah. so my my flip side. So if this format doesn't work, it, it, I was uh, in, in doing a testing of my equipment. This th- my equipment is so sensitive. I can do those. You know the ASMR videos where people like try to do stuff to make <laughs> to make <laughs> to make people yeah. like you know tw- like get a twitch in their <laughs> neck or whatever. And so like I could be. Yeah. Like, you know, agit ASMR, ASMR like you know, like the system <laughs> <laughs> to ruin
1: everything. Yeah, you're doing that.
2: Like you know, and like and and see, cause it, it, you know, I that like that might work. I I uh, I have a few different avenues I can explore. I don't know how well that would translate into stand up comedy, but I think it'd make good good YouTube fare at least. But uh, yeah,
3: that's, that's that actually could that could be a good stand up. But I think you you just have to. Got to try out a lot of different lines and boil them down to the best ones. You're Probably got to do that joke about 10 times to figure out what's the best lines to say. and like For ASMR, yeah, It's yeah, worth yeah. it. That sounds fun. The, the, yeah, prob- yeah. the problem with
2: ASMR... Yeah, my, yeah, my anti-establishment. <laughs> anti-establishment ASMR. <laughs> Illuminati has been confirmed. We, um, the, 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 the problem with doing it live is, is that you'd have to have either very powerful speakers or everyone would have to wear headsets or they're not going to get the tingles. And, and frankly, I, even if it's a joke, I want the tingles. Like, even if I'm joking about ASMR, I want them to be like, hey, oh man, I feel that. Like, that's wow. That's really intense. And then like They go home and watch my, you going to dress up like a sex elf. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Like this isn't sexual at all. I promise. And, uh, and, and still yeah. like be really come hither about it. <laughs> so, okay, good. Yeah, so I have goals for my this next episode. Mas- What's that? Yeah, I was going to say, this
3: mascara was made from a completely employee owned company. <laughs> right.
2: <exactly>. So, <laughs> this is all, this is fair trade, fair trade. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's good. No, so we, now I literally do, cause I was joking about it, but I, I actually do have to have just an ASMR. My Fellow Americans ASMR episode. And that'll be one where I don't have a guest. It'll just be me and the camera will be really close to me. I'll be like, I bet you'll fall asleep in 25 minutes or less. And uh, that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs>
3: I like so that. so good, good. Just run a pencil over the microphone in between all of that. I feel like you can get something good off of that too. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to do it all the time. You don't have to come up with anything funny to say. Just tap it. Just tap it
2: they Stop. do that i, I try cuz i have i have one time i was like i was desperately trying to fall asleep and i'm like videos to help you fall asleep and asmr came up and my i just laughed for like hours cuz they like like you said they take like a pencil and they'll be like i got something new for this episode it's it's a it's a, it's a fan <laughs> brush and they'll like do the thing They're like what is that what's that doing for you? And it's like the creepiest thing. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna fall asleep to this stranger fan brushing my 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 ears. So um, that's definitely happening I, now. I'm definitely doing that.
3: Yeah. Well, I don't. I've never gotten the like. I have put on pretty nice headphones. I've never gotten ASMR from any of this stuff. Like, I've never. I get. There's some of the stuff where it's like. A, yeah, interesting, like, um, views, it's like paint swirling, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting and mesmerizing, but i am never, like, hairs on the back of my neck or anything like that, but, yeah, I've never understood it, and I'm like, I have friends who are way into it, and, like, spend money on hot girls to do it for them, so it's like, okay, I guess, yeah, uh, there's a finish for everything.
2: <laughs> Why do there's they have just... to be hot? Like, what is it bad if you're just trying to get the tingle? Does it because help? It's like, a girl, it's like a hot girl
3: whispering in your ear. So it's like she even has the sexy voice, whatever it is. I think that's what it really is. It's like it's always some girl who's like cosplay does cosplay as well, and like all that, you know. So it's it's really funny to me. It's like, uh, do you know what fandom is? Financial domination.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, it's yeah. like where they're yeah. like, yeah, give me your money, loser. Yeah. 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 yeah.
3: <laughs> Well, I've been, I've been, uh,
2: yeah, basically. <laughs> I've, I was told that
3: it's a sexual, where, where, where men get sexually aroused at the thought of being Brendan Fraser. <laughs> 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 Just have someone take all your money. <laughs> that's funny. But, yeah, and, you know, that shit's all also fun. That ASMR stuff. Actually, that's basically why I'm on the internet is to like find crazies. To so find it's crazy stuff. Really, the only reason I've been on
2: yeah the yeah. only thing, and this well, is me- crazy Pete. I'll probably edit this out because i don't know if I'm ready to admit this to anyone, but <laughs> I've actually only gotten ASMR from Bob Ross videos actually gotten the the oh. thing it's when he when, <laughs> when he does the <laughs> when he does the brush and he goes you gotta, you gotta whip the devil out of it <laughs> and he giggles and I'm like, ah, like that I, why why that i don't know <laughs> why specifically that that's so, an interesting I, one. most men want a hot woman. I want Bob Ross to, to. Bob Ross is where I get it from, so, <laughs> and he's not even trying. That's that's, that's great. Awesome. So, so good. Um, yeah, well, uh,
3: he's a he's an interesting cat. So it's yeah. Of course, he does something crazy where it's just like ends up being ASMR. That's awesome, actually.
2: And it became ASMR about 15 years after he died. Like, so it's you know, obviously <laughs> unintentional. The best unintentional ASMR. Ever. Yeah. So, I don't know uh, if a.
3: An acquaintance used to listen who used to get it from Bob Ross all the time, but he would do it weird, where he'd take VLC in two different windows and play like the Beatles or uh, Pink Floyd at like sixty percent speed, and then play The Joy of Painting at forty percent speed, and it was it was like mesmerizing. So you just get this weird mix of like low, yeah, you just what you're doing right there is like what you want to do at first, but then you realize you haven't moved. And, uh, you yeah, haven't, like do you're it. into it and, it and
2: don't want to admit it to anyone? Like this is terrible yeah, and you're like, like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling like,
3: it. <laughs> yeah, feel, I'm, I'm feeling it for sure. Yeah, yeah that's that, basically what it is.
2: Yeah, that's similar to when I I, I, uh, I watched Amistad on mute with the, uh, the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers uh, album playing. Yeah. And it basically seemed like Damn. Just, they were just... <laughs> Pretty much all, it just seemed like they were arguing about whether or not Wu-Tang Clan was anything to fuck with for, for you know, an hour and a half. But um, it's actually nothing like That's that. That's great. I just like that joke, but it's it's That's... nothing like that.
3: Yeah, so uh, there is never a required level. I mean, here's what it is. I think the one thing I like to play with is, and I realize this is probably my style, is like I, I like um, perceive or like established reality in... In jokes or writing or anything like that. So I like when someone establishes a reality and then follows follows their own rules to a T, right? And like can do that pretty well because like that's why I have like the joke I do about being a, a detective who you know there's it's just like a, who's solving the murder involves a flashlight and the murder of a woman. Like I set up the rules really quickly and then try to follow them the best I can. So it's like I think that's my style. It's like I'm really just trying to test myself. Like can I do this? How do I do it? How do I do it well? So it's, yeah. Is that's it going to be funny like dark, to anyone else too? Sometimes, but I stopped asking myself that. I if it makes me laugh, I'm like, put it in. We'll see. So it's it's never it's like yeah, but I, I usually filter it in before. Like I laugh first before anyone. So it's, I it's got to make me laugh. Otherwise, I'm not gonna have fun telling the joke. You know, like it's not gonna be. Uh, yeah. I I think that's the way to put it. It's 'cause why I didn't like doing any of those uh like really serious jokes that turned out like slam poetry is I have no fun telling and they're not funny and like it only works if you really set them up for it and like really make them trust you to the point where you just not doing you're not getting laughs but they're happy to listen to you basically.
2: Right. Well that's like I mean in George Carlin stuff he was doing he was an hour in before he was doing that. You know, you don't have in a 5 yeah. to 7 minute slot you don't have the time to to set that up where they're just sitting there wrapped with whatever you're you know whatever you're feeding them. Yeah. And I, I
3: mean, I'm not a fan of when comics do that generally, like uh Patton Oswalt's last one. I'm a big fan of Patton Oswalt's comedy, although he doesn't believe in a lot of his punchlines. That's why he does that. Like he'll do that into him. Right. Which annoys me a little bit. But his like laughs per minute on each special just decreases like crazy. And you can tell he's still proud of it. And it's like, OK. You're a stand-up comic. Like, what are you doing right
4: now? Right, right, like, right. I get right.
3: it. You're getting old, then your wife died of cancer, and, you know, I get it. But what do you want? What do you – you know, what did you want from us? <laughs> like, it's it's a weird request to have to say, like, I'm going to sit down and say this shit, and you're just going to sit there and listen. Oh, by the way, the tickets are 30 bucks.
2: Yeah, exactly. So exactly. You're paying premium for me yeah. to, like, vent to you.
3: Yeah, and there's no olive branch there it's because, like, he – if a comic doesn't go up on stage and, like, think he's a fraud a little bit, you know, like, then there's no olive branch. Then he's not trying to get you on his side. He just assumes you are, which, yeah. Like, I like Dave Chappelle's last two specials, but he did the uh, joke where he calls out the punchline first, and I really hated that joke. I was like, stop. Worrying. Like, your dick's supposed to be small on stage, buddy. Like, come on.
2: Right, right, right. You're, yeah, you're too, a little too much
3: swagger. Good. Yeah,
2: yeah. And that's
3: fine. I mean, but uh, I will say that's definitely more of a black comic thing to talk about how dick, big your day, big your dick is instead. I think that's why um, Howard Stern got really popular is because he would go on stage and talk about how little his dick was. So it was like a shake-up, like true. Cause he would go to black rooms and do that. And it's like, Oh, that's how you, that's how you get them, their attention, that sort of thing. So right, I think right. it's just, uh, it's style for sure. But yeah, I'm off on a tangent right now. I can feel it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you feel it. I just went through, made like five points that have nothing to do with each other, but somehow, yeah, that's basically how my comedy works, actually. It's like me taking on a journey between things that are totally unrelated, so it's, yeah,
2: it's a lot of that. Right. Well, William, thank you so much for coming on. Okay. I really appreciate it. Um, tell us about what you have coming up. You, you have your podcast um. uh It's, it's not, not music, music. with, uh, with we Matthew release, Amos,
3: and we release every Sunday. We release a full uh, album review every Sunday, uh, actually every Monday, and we release a single review every Thursday. So we try to mix it up and keep something out every week, and at least a couple of things. Some of them are snippets. Some of them aren't. Ranges anywhere from fifteen minutes to two hours. So
4: cool.
3: Yeah, that's a fun one. Um, this week we're uh. Trying to finish reviewing and Beefheart, so if you want to talk about the worst album ever made, please do come and check it out. Um, and it, it's hard to find, so I should at least give someone some kind of direction. Go to Mr. Narrator at YouTube, so all one word, all lowercase, Mr. Narrator, and you'll find a playlist that's uh, our podcast because he has a few podcasts that we're we're doing. So uh, that, uh, and I have some shows. If you're in the area for Sacramento uh, or NorCal, I'll be at. Uh, Sanctuary Ultra Lounge in Livermore on the fifth, so this Sunday, and uh, I'll be at Blacktop on the fifteenth. Uh, I'll be oh, no the twenty-fifth, and I'll be at um, Laughs Unlimited on the twenty-second. And there is a couple other shows coming through, so it just uh, keep open. And if you wanted to check any of my dates, they'll be at, uh, at Have Jokes underscore Will Travel on Instagram. And that's that's all I got.
2: Okay, perfect. Well, we will definitely have you on again once I figure out uh, how to live stream like a, like a grown person and we'll be able to take, uh, take questions from people and and all of that stuff. But uh, I appreciate you hanging in with me while I'm trying to still figure out what I'm doing with myself. Uh, William Island, thank you again so much for coming on. I really appreciate it.
3: Thank you, Spike. Hell yeah.